I'm going to start our next guest off with a just a, a quote from Master of Wine, Bob Campbell, who starts an article I read recently. He says, Grasshopper Rock produces one of Central Otago's most consistently top Pinot Noirs from its 7.8 hectare vineyard. And joining us now from Grasshopper Rock in Central Otago, it's good morning to you, Phil Hanford. All right, Joe. How you doing, mate? Very good. Very good. Bill, that's quite that's quite a big feat. We did have Bob Campbell on a couple of months ago. Didn't yeah, you, a couple of months and, ago. And yeah. um, he did mention your Pinot, and um, so it, the fact that he's uh, you know giving you an accolade, and you know Central Otago obviously produce some of the best in the world, but to be producing the best within the best region, I say congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Lots of hard work, no doubt. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, Pinot Noir, I mean, <laughs> and and pretty marginal farming down there. So before we get on to Grasshopper Rock and dive, deep dive into what you do there, give us a give us a little pricey of Central Otago because, you know, it's what, the second biggest wine region in New Zealand, but it hasn't been around for that long, has it? No. Excuse that noise. That's my neighbour with his ear blast. So. No, we can't hear I it, mate. We, it's all good. We can't hear it? Good. Must be. Um, so Central Otago, uh, probably... I mean, it's obviously a young area. Uh, first sort of, well, it was actually interesting. There was vines planted on our property back in the 1860s, 1870s oh, more. Wow. Just like for, um, you know, eating grapes, a little bit of wine was made. Sure. But I guess the real period started in the 1980s with the fairly, a few of the early ones, like uh, your Ripon and mm -hmm. Alan Brady, Chard Farm. Um and uh, and Pigney up at uh, Arrowtown, and then there was a little vineyard just near us, Blackbridge, and that was sort of in the eighties, coming into the nineties. Yeah. And then the sort of late late nineties, I guess things really started to take off with some, I guess, some recognition internationally that Centro Targa was producing some you know, pretty impressive pinots, and it was a big that whole period, sort of early two thousands, was a lot of planting going on. Yeah. Um, you know, real estate agents were grabbing bits of farmland with viticultural potential. Ka-ching! <laughs> so, a lot of not a lot of history on some of these properties, but a lot of a lot of vines are being planted. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, but so probably twenty. That was two thousand. We planted two thousand three. So in that mid two thousands, I guess was probably when all the planting was completed. Yeah. There's probably, um, I think it's about uh, two thousand hectares. And it really hasn't changed much in the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more could be planted, but, yeah, it's, I guess, people are sort of working out which sites work and, yeah. yeah. Well, you, sort you of sort of out. get to a critical mass at some point, don't you, where, you know, you can see that in places like Marlborough where, okay, the whole of the north and the south valley and the Finger Lakes or Finger Valleys, whatever, all planted. So we go over the top of the hill into Awateri and that's all planted and there's really yeah. not much dirt left there. So there are a few sites obviously um, left in, in Otago. Can you tell us a little bit, because we don't, I mean, I've never been down there, right? I've only been as far south as, as Marlborough. I've been to the North Island a lot, so forgive me for all our Kiwi listeners over there. Tell us yeah, a little yeah. bit about the geography of central Otago in general because we've got sort of, it is, it's not a it's not a massive region, but it's not tiny like Martinborough, for instance. So give us some of the major touch points in terms of the geography yep. there. So I guess the biggest thing about Centro Otago is the mountainous terrain. And it's really a series of basins. So to put it in perspective, our vineyard is about 160 metres above sea level. Yep. 
which is sort of surprisingly low. But yeah. um, but then the mountains to our west, and this is between us and Cromwell, the mountains to our west are about, uh, oh, get up to about, um, well, 2,000 metres. Wow, right, okay. 1,500 metres, yeah. you know. So in that 1,500 metre plus range, so... You know, you're going that sort of elevation in quite a short distance. So you've got um, a number of basins, really. So they're sort of surrounded by hills. Um, we are in the, in the Alexandra Basin in the sort of southeast corner. And then there's another big basin, which is the Cromwell Basin. Yeah. And again, that's surrounded by mountains that are sort of 1,500 plus metres high. And the elevation at Cromwell is only about, you know, 200, 220 metres. Yep. So, again, another sort of big area. Um and then I'll give some valleys sort of further up towards Queenstown, it's a little bit further west, and then there's a Wanaki area further northwest. Yeah. I suppose the big thing is for us is that where we sit, we're about, or oh, we're about um, 100, 150 kilometres from the west coast, and we're probably 100, well, probably 250 kilometres from the southwest corner of uh, New Zealand, and that's where all our, you know, the wet, our weather comes from. Right. So it's really, Basically, by the time it gets to us, it's dumped all its rain and it's dried out. And so we're in a sort of semi-arid climate, sort of in a, in a sort of a, you know, a continental, as yep. near as you'll get to continental in New Zealand. We've yep. got a long way from the coast dry. <laughs> of course, it's not that far from yeah. the coast anywhere, is it, really? No. So it's, it's as far about as far as you can get from the coast. But <laughs> I guess the big thing is, is the mountains mm. and the climatic influence of the mountains and the sort of, even within those basins, the climate influence is quite variable. And that's what made me considering, you know, Central Otago, as Richo said, it's not huge, but it's not tiny, but there are a lot of sub-regions because of the, the yeah. mountainous. So you're in the southernmost sub-region called Alexandra, and yeah. that gets a lot of fluctuating. So tell us a specific terroir about Alexandra itself. Yeah, so I guess the big thing for us is it is a bit further south so than even other parts of Central Otago. So it means we do get cooler nights. So, like, I guess that's the thing with, and it's dry. So we're we're the driest and coldest and hottest <laughs> sub-region in Central Otago. But I guess what that means is when we get into, so we're um, we're just coming into budverse now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be picking grapes probably in about this usually about the second week of April. Right. And when we get into that period, we're down to, you know, a series of typically is below five degrees at night. Yeah. So very dramatic sort of cooling effect at night, but nice long dry dry days. Yes. Um yeah, dry days and just yeah, a lot of and it's I guess a basin and the cloud goes around the hills. So like right. we've got a, a sort of little sun trap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've got at least clear, clear long, dry, ripening days, not necessarily average temperatures are not necessarily high. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we've got a lot of sun in there. And and I guess that sort of might vary from Cromwell, which would be, um, they might pick a little bit earlier, so a little bit, a little bit warmer nights, yeah, um, a little bit wetter. So all these sort of slight variables, you know, similar soils but different sort of climatic features around the average temperatures leading up to harvest, the amount of rain, yeah. yeah. But we're never pressured to, we're never pressured to pick. We can basically pick when we decide fruit is, you know, in, in the right space. That, that's, yeah. that's a luxury in the wine world, right? That's that's fantastic. Yeah. You obviously yeah. have a lot of faith in your Pinot for me to, to only grow Pinot, <laughs> only, and then yeah. only produce a rosé yeah. from Pinot and a Pinot yeah. um, 
uh, a Pinot Gris. So um, I, I love that faith. Would you ever consider a, a different varietal or are you like, no, this is it, we've nailed it, that's just what we do? Oh, I mean, I think the land is, because is, it's only, we've only got 10 hectares of land mm. yeah. and it's all planted to Pinot Noir. And it's, in my view, too good to plant, you know, to anything else. Look, or you wouldn't replant. Yeah. You know, I mean, the idea of some Chardonnay is nice. Yes, oh, it always is. Yeah. But yeah, I like, I like hundred percent Pinot Noir. I love it. Like happy days. Oh, yeah, like, and it's like you've picked the hardest. Pick the hardest grape to grow. But um, let's just talk a little bit about because you planted what two thousand and two? Did you say or oh three? Yeah, two thousand three was actually planting date. Yeah, twenty oh, three. Years ago, yeah. So let's say twenty years ago. Were you picking in May twenty years ago? Or was it about the same sort of sort of April ish? Or is it has that changed over the last twenty years? No, I don't think it's cha- like statistically it hasn't changed like we get yeah. such a big variation like year to year yeah yeah in terms of that it's yeah it's hard to pick it like certainly um like i've done a bit of work on the long-term climate data certainly like every the temperature has risen you know sort of one degree over the last hundred odd years sure but the i think probably what is the the rainfall if anything maybe mm. we'll get some bigger rain events and if you're know, talking about climate sort of change but yeah uh, in terms of harvest dates, you know, bud burst dates, we have so many other variables in terms of weather systems coming through and El Ninos and La Ninas and things that, yeah. you know, it's hard to pick a, pick a, you know, in the moment of 20 years of, you know, growing grapes, it's hard to say there's any change, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, and also, but I guess, you know, the next follow-up question to that would be, I don't know if you heard Caroline, but she was basically saying what's happening now is everything's more random and it's harder to pick, mm. not, not pick grapes, but pick what's going to happen anytime yeah yeah i thought that's and i very much agree that's that's the issue i see is not you say the not so much the trend for us in terms of a you know day to day is that the extreme events has you know big rain events um you know cold spells but yes yeah, especially especially around rain events mm. yeah, yeah which is generally not a problem but yeah there'll be more of those i think I just yeah. had a so, message, sorry, Jill, just had a message come through from the old man, actually, who's written in and said, uh, they produce, a Pinot aside, they produce some pretty useful rugby players in Otago too. Is that because it's so rugged down there, Phil? What's going on? What's in the water down there? Yeah, that's right. You've got to do something to keep warm. Was Richie McCaw from down there? Uh, North Otago. Yeah, I mean, so I, yeah. as an Australian, we kind of have to hate Richie McCaw, but you've got to take your hat off to a guy like that. I watched a documentary on him recently and, like, just the preparation, the mental things he had to go through to get there. But I know he, he loves getting back on the farm, so, you know, that's a nice yeah, he's thing. A, he's a, yeah. yeah, he was. He's into multi-sport now, so. Yeah, well, he, he did all right. Has he, got, has he got a vineyard, do you know? Not that I know. Because there's, there's a few AFL players who have got vineyards and a few yeah. ex-AFL players, in inverted commas, making wine too as well. So that could be the next thing. Um, so Grasshopper Rock, we're talking, what did you say, 7.8 hectares, something like that? Yes. And yep. it's all Pinot Noir. So do you have variation within the estate? And also my other question then is a bit of a nerdy wine question about sort of different clones and things like that. So does it give you more colours to play with, so to speak? Yeah, I think that's the key to, to our success. Really, is that it's not it's not a flat paddock. Yep. And it's not yeah, you know, it's not a flat paddock planted in one variety. It's actually quite quite a layered sort of a setup. So we run off a small uh, small hill and sort of north facing slope, but 
within that, we've got some um, bit two soil types, and on the on the and on the foot of the hill or the lower hill was quite a heavy sort of a well, quite a deep so sort of not heavy deep silt. Yeah. And then and then sort of the base of the hill, it's slightly um, a bit lighter, but then out towards the river is a really lighter stonier soil. Right. So it's all sort of it's all fine silts over gravels, but parts of it are shallower gravels and stonier and starts a deep salt with a bit of gravel further down but within that we planted it um basically in a mix of uh the six clones so there's your clone story six clones <laughs> six clones <laughs> yeah um and um well probably about it goes about many rootstocks as well right so so we've got um yeah a lot of a lot of vines planted on really one or two rootstocks so we've got probably about four main rootstocks yeah, right. which is really good you know looking to try and match rootstocks with soils but in those back in 2000 i mean it was a bit experimental but yep. we wanted to we just didn't want to do what everyone else was doing yeah and i guess what we find is that so we'll have a we'll have for example clone uh, um triple seven which is one of our clones which makes up about like 25 percent of the vineyard is planted in three different parts of the vineyard all on different rootstocks right so it gives you three so, completely different expressions right so, yeah so you can go through the vineyard and you you know at, at harvest time and you and you're tasting fruit that can be quite different through the vineyard there's some clonal similarities but you know even from one end of the vineyard and timing of things happening yeah we get a lot of a lot of variation i think when you um put all that together into one wine I think that's what makes it it's special and makes Grasshopper Rock what it is and always very identifiable. You yeah. know, as a in the winery, these grapes are always identifiable as coming from from that vineyard. And it's that sort of, you know, complex mix of rootstocks and and uh, clones and yeah, things all coming together. The clone story can be a bit nerdy, but uh, you, you know, there is the gumboot clone, right? Is that you've got that, don't you? Yep, definitely. We've now, probably that, got that's about, actually a pretty good yeah. story. Can you tell us the uh, the kind of I don't know if it's folklore or apocryphal, but what's the story that the Kiwis tell about the gumboot clone, Phil? Yeah, so it's sometimes it's also known as Abel clone. Yeah. And known as um even known as Artarangi clone. Yeah. So but the, yeah, the story is that um there's a guy Abel who who no not Abel, a guy brought some some uh, cuttings apparently in from uh, um Domain Romano Conte. Yes. And, and 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 it was picked up at customs because mm. you, know, you weren't allowed to bring no. anything like that mm. without being super illegal <laughs> yeah super illegal but the guy by the name of abel who, who was a customs person picked it up picked them up and appreciated what they were had them and had them all you know sterilized and whatever they would do with them and um uh and after clive from Arterini picked up some and they were planted there initially and which is why it's sometimes called the Artarini clone. Yeah. And it's yeah, so it's sort of spread from there really. Like um some vineyards plant a lot of it. Uh we plant we've got quite a lot actually. We probably got because it crops quite heavy and, right. and quite late. So it's it's um we'd probably get twenty five plus percent of our fruit is able. And this actually this year we we're just we're twenty twenty three vintage. We just pulled out um uh, or we'll probably do three barrels of just straight Abel clone this year. 
Right. I just think it's still it's, it's some someone scarpering over the back fence of Romney Conti with some cuttings down his pants, yeah. and he's and flown, it's so appropriately named. Yeah, he's flown them illegally to back to the land of the long white cloud. He's yeah. maybe declared him at customs, and some legend Abel is just going, "Hang on a second, yeah. <laughs> these look all right." Yeah. And then Clive Patton from Atarangi, he's he's gone, "No, no, no, we're going to play." That's yeah. no, I just think that's grouse. That's a great. It story. is. Yeah. It um, is. So just, just talking vintage, I actually I would love to ask you this. Um, uh, my knowledge of New Zealand not as great as Australia. So, so two thousand and three is when you when you basically start. So you've been going for twenty years. What would be the best vintages in the last two decades for Central Otago specifically? I think twenty fourteen was a pretty good year across the board yeah. uh, for New Zealand. I know that. But what would be some of the standouts? I hate this question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, probably some of the last, so some of the last three have probably been some of the harder ones. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, definitely. And, that, and that's to do with, um, you know, flowering and rain, yep. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have like, so cold vintages, like um, I'm thinking of 2007, mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah. You know, even 2020. Yeah. Yep. We're cold vintages. So, yeah, like I just look at some stats before. So 2017, I don't know if you, but the growing degree days is, I guess, you know, the average growing degree days that we would think about in Central Otago was 1,000. Yeah. Well, in 2017, we had only had 780 growing yeah, degree days. Yeah, right. Yeah. So hard, thought, hard to get it right. Yeah, we wouldn't get it right. But, you know, it's all that timing. So we had a lovely period in the last sort of March, April, and mm. it ripened up beautifully, smaller bunches. So I guess we don't. Yeah, I never have vintages we feel are great or not so great. Like the type, the twenty eighteen was really really warm, made some beautiful fruit, but sure. and it and it's still you know it's still good wines. But I probably think the yeah perhaps some of the warmer vintages are the ones that hold up over time. Yeah, right. Okay, so that that's good to that's good to know. Okay, so that's yeah, yeah that's a good hit. And what's the current vintage at the moment that you're selling, Phil? So twenty nineteen. So let's talk a bit about 2019. Was that uh, was that one of the that was one of the more difficult ones or? Uh, 2019 was. Um, how do I describe that? I still want to hear it. No, it wasn't. No, good. <laughs> no, no. So, so I guess that's the thing. I said, don't take. We have, you know, you, as long as you get a good flowering. Yeah. So then we have a, you know, we might have a cool mid period summer and a warm finish or. A, or a sort of warm early and a cool finish, but yeah, you sort of I guess it generates different flavor profiles, right? So, like, if you get a, if you get a really cool year, you tend to get more dark fruit coming yep. through, right? You know, you know, and then and if it's warm, it tends to be more red fruit, more of the sort of strawberry sort of side of it, which is like, like 26, 2018s, probably more like that, yeah, yeah. 2017, which is really cool, was is quite a um, almost early days are almost quite austere but a very sort of lovely textured long sort of almost velvety sort of yeah. wine they do tend to be so my this is just an interpretation of what if someone said to me in store what's a central otago pinot kind of in a box you know i tend to think of those darker fruits sometimes those sort of yeah. light plums and black cherries but i also yeah. tend to think of like a little more alcohol what is that just a, a trend or is it because you've got to pick them so late by the time they get ripe there's a bit more sugar in them or am i just completely off the mark well there's a bit more alcohol but 
there, but I don't know whether that actually necessarily comes through in the wine. No, not at all. It's just like a textural yeah, thing. Like, yeah, an, I see them as they're very taste. balanced. I, I think Central Otago Pinots to me are yeah. really balanced wines, and that's why I could tell that over, you know, a Hawks Bay or something like that. Yeah. Again, I'm not a Pinot Noir, you know, um, a, a pro, but that is how I would probably see it. Yeah, yeah, I think. And that's why where it's a bit difficult to say comparing Grass Rock, which is Alexandra, yeah. which is slightly different, say, from Cromwell. Mm-hmm. So it tends to be a little bit more, not so much in the dark fruit, but a little bit more red and savoury and, yeah. um, you know, a slightly more elegant style. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, but the thing is about the wine, is, and, I, and that's why I think it's such a fantastic place for Pinot Noir, is, as you say, Jill, they're balancing the wine, like yeah. the lovely length, and, like, it's neither, it's never big or... Or you know, one part of the, of the mouth. It's it's a lovely mm. sort of a nice mm. sort of balance through the whole palate. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and that's I think also why and the alcohol and it says is these wines are aging remarkably well. Like yeah. you know, we would still we would still quite happily drink our 2006 vintage. Yeah, great. You know, well, you know, like, nice. Yeah. I'd be pretty happy drinking any Grasshopper Rock. Actually, I think they're fabulous. Do you um? Do you hang out with Sam Neal over there? Is he a bit of a – is his two paddocks close to your paddock? It is actually. His, uh, he's got a little vineyard called uh, Last Chance. Right. Yes. And his Last Chance is – well, it's only a few hundred metres from us actually. Yeah, right. So we're on a bit of a ridge, which they call the Unsclude Rim. Yeah. We're down on the Alex end, and, and Sam Neal's Last Chance vineyard is – Oh, a few hundred meters, literally. There you go. Towards uh, west from there, so yeah, we do have a, a bit of contact. We're also we're also both distributed in Australia by um, Samuel Smith and Sunny Negations. Yes. So we do catch up a bit, sort of on tour and things. So, He's yeah. probably more like, oh, look, there's that legend Phil up the hill there. <laughs> no. oh, I think it's a bit of mutual respect. Uh, that's oh, fantastic that's stuff. Lovely. Yeah. Hi, and, a, and a great way to finish. Uh, thank you so much for joining us over there from Central Otago from Grasshopper Rock. It's Phil Hanford. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. It's a pleasure.